0: Hello and welcome to the Rough Draft podcast. My name is Austin and my name is Mike. Welcome, listeners, to the Rough Draft Podcast, the podcast that's all about storytelling, the uh, act of writing it and telling it, and here on this podcast, we work out our own stories, uh, how to make them better, how to make improvements upon them, and also walk a little bit through the process of how we come to tell these stories. Well, this week, we have a story from Mike, and it's a story about donuts, about sacraments, And uh, we're going to listen to it right now.
1: Like a ritual, whenever I'm home, I spend my nights at Donut Shack. It's open 24 hours. Tonight fits the pattern. I send a text to Matt, Isaac, and Austin. Donut Shack? I'm bringing Everett, Austin says. 20 minutes later, we're all sitting around the counter. A Greek lady is trying to serve us regular coffee, even though it's late. Each of us has coffee on one napkin-turned-coaster and a donut on another napkin-turned-plate. Austin is replacing the cracked screen on Matt's phone. He pulls three napkins out of the dispenser and arranges them at intervals across the counter, taking up at least one and a half more places than he should. He pushes his glasses all the way up his nose with his wrist and begins to remove the screws at the base of the phone. "'So are y'all gonna infant-baptize Everett?' Isaac asks. "'You gotta ask me that right now?' Austin replies. "'Isaac recently took a job at a Presbyterian church. Presbyterians believe in infant baptism, but Isaac doesn't. Till he took the job, Isaac went to a Baptist church. "'Part of me wants to have Everett baptized now, as a baby,' but I can't decide if it's biblical or not. He delicately pulls off the broken screen, placing it face down on a fresh napkin. Well, it's not biblical, but that doesn't mean you can't do it, Isaac says. I walk over to Everett's carrier and pull him out to play on my lap. At three months, he has a full head of hair. He can't talk yet, but he doesn't really cry either. He makes this sound that is similar to cooing, but somehow more persuasive. I'm trying to get him to make eye contact. I wonder if he wants to be baptized. The phone repair is underway. On the first napkin, Austin has arranged each of the screws in piles according to which section of the phone they came from and at which stage of the process they were removed. On the second, he has the old parts, the broken screen, the intact back, On the third, the new screen with its stickers and colors face down for protection from dirt, scratches, and fingerprints. He is somehow able to maintain focus on both this process and the conversation about momentarily, metaphorically, drowning his son. I realize there isn't an example of a baby being baptized in the Bible, but I like the idea of dedicating him to God from an early age, Austin explains. Well, then don't call it baptism, call it dedication, Matt says. Do Chelsea's parents or, or your parents want you to baptize him as a baby, I asked. No, this isn't about them. I'm just trying to decide what to do before he grows up. We find no easy answers. With the b- repair finish, we swallow the rest of our coffee, collect our things, and leave for the parking lot. We're standing by Austin's car, but we aren't ready to leave yet. Austin puts Everett's carrier down and opens the trunk. He's been working for a company called Boosterthon. They help schools fundraise. He has all these leftover prizes. The best prizes are a kickball and this foam football thing that has a tail. Austin and Isaac begin trying to throw the football thing as Austin and I pitch and kick the ball to each other. Being so close to the road, the kickball soon proves to be a bad idea but Isaac and Matt are beginning to get the hang of the football thing. Now they're going for distance. Isaac is on the lawn of Barranco & Sons, the funeral home next door and Matt is midway through our parking lot past Donut Shack by the Verizon Wireless. It's close to 200 feet, I guess. Austin and I are just chatting. Isaac and Matt are working on accuracy. With the next effort, Matt strikes the Barranco sign, causing it to wave. They both agree this should be the final toss. As they come back to the car, Austin is distracted with Everett. Seizing the moment, Isaac begins hitting Austin with the football thing. He starts on the legs, moving up to the torso. The football thing is big enough that it can work as a bat. Matt and I join in. We're all just playing, but it begins to escalate. With fake rage, Isaac drops the football thing and wraps his arms around Austin from behind, dragging him backwards, away from the car he falls and is lying on the ground. We're pretending to kick him in the gut. As part of the act, Austin curls his legs towards his stomach, making fake cries for help. He's thrust back to reality whenever it starts protesting. We straighten up and let out a collective sigh. Matt checks his watch and makes some remark about the time. He wants to go because he has to get up early tomorrow. Austin shakes his head, pleading, don't break the fellowship. Don't break the fellowship. Don't break the fellowship. He stretches out his hand to grab Matt's shoulder, thinking that physical contact will be binding. Matt swerves, reaching into his pocket to grab his keys. He backs up apprehensively. Tomorrow? We let him go, knowing it's probably the wise thing to do, realizing how late it is. We shake our heads because Matt is usually the first one to leave, as proved once again tonight. I look at Austin and Isaac. We don't want to shatter the fellowship anymore, but we also realize that the body needs sleep. We each develop individual plans to leave, but before we can proclaim our exit, three cop cars stream into the parking lot, one from the left and two from the right. The cops park haphazardly and get out with their engines still running. Two of them walk towards Donut Shack and shake hands by the front window. The taller one points around the parking lot and then goes inside to talk to the owner. The other scans the perimeter, then walks around back, reaching for his flashlight. The third comes over to us. What seems to be the problem, officer? We all ask, like they do in the movies. We got a call not too long ago about an altercation here in the parking lot. We're just checking it out. Did you, any of you see anything? He says. No, I, I mean... We've been out here for 20 minutes or so, and we haven't seen anything, Isaac explains. The cop holds his gaze on each of us, carefully but not suspiciously, then walks off. Everett begins his particular cooing. He's never seen cops before. Behind me, Isaac is pacing. I lose track of him. Austin is rubbing his temples over and over again, muttering, I'm so glad we're white. I'm so glad we're white. I'm so glad we're white. I stare at him. Part of me is mad because I want to believe that nothing would be different about this if we weren't white. We would still be honest, and the cops would still believe us. And the other part of me is mad because I know that everything would be different if we weren't white. We would still be honest, but they would not believe us. As the cops peel out, I pull out my phone and take a quick video to send to Matt. It's the only way he'll believe us. He shouldn't have broken the fellowship. He missed this. When the parking lot is clear, Isaac rubs his hands across his face. Well, I think that's enough excitement for me, he says. He hugs us, then leans down, flattens Everett's hair three times, and kisses his forehead. Bye. Austin and I look at each other. Want to come over, watch something, I ask. Sure, he says. The next night, we're back at Donut Shack. This time, there are no phones to repair, no baby, no cops. We're catching up. How was your Thursday? Austin's just come from dinner at his in-law's house. Chelsea, his wife, had told her mother that Austin was out very late the night before watching a movie at my house. Chelsea didn't know about the cops. The Greek lady pours regular. Tonight we're discussing whether or not Austin should officiate his cousin's wedding, as he is neither a judge nor an ordained minister. Turns out, in Maryland, you don't have to be a judge or an ordained minister to officiate a wedding. I think I should do it because they asked me, and I'm really the only Christian they know, so I feel like it would be a great opportunity to demonstrate the gospel. But I can't decide if it's biblical or not, Austin explains. Well, it's not biblical, but it doesn't mean you can't do it. Matt says. I rip off a piece of my donut and dip it into my coffee, partaking.
0: I do love this story. I have heard this story before, but oh yeah, I do. Uh, I do really like it. Not because yeah, my it's an old story. It for, is...
1: for me, but um, one I I thought would be worth revisiting.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, It's interesting how locations are such a great catalyst for great stories. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Um, You know, you wouldn't think Donut Shack, you know, Mm. when you think, oh, okay, I'm going to write a story. But it's almost like this unassuming kind of place where great story happens. I mean, you already
1: told a story about Donut Shack this season.
0: Right. And we have personal history there, but also I like the romance of mm. it. It's almost... It attracts
1: characters. It has... Like, it... It has as a, It has character. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think that's kind of like... Like the, the bathroom is th- you
1: walk through the kitchen which to get the to the public bathroom. Thing. Like yeah.
0: Which, yeah, which I love because it also deters people from using that bathroom. Right. you <laughs> are like I'm not doing that. We're and like- it's cash only.
1: Yeah. Uh, and like this Greek lady's worked there my entire life, and yeah. It's it's the reason that they're not 24 hours anymore is because they only have one person who makes the donuts, and he's like getting old and can't oh, make enough donuts to like keep them open 24 hours anymore
0: yeah and so with this place there's almost this romantic idea behind it or this hollywood i feel like Hmm. kind of vibe with it it's
1: like mysterious one thing about this story uh, as i was reading that i feel like is a detail that's missing that i think i should add back is i don't really like explain the resolution that happened like i just say like as the cops peeled out it's um. I should add a sentence or some sort of indication that like. It's true that they didn't really talk to us again after they talked to us that first time. They didn't offer any sort of explanation or like. Oh, yeah. okay. I guess it was you guys fighting like fake fighting that somebody thought yeah. was serious. They just like came over, asked us if we saw anything, and then a few minutes later they left. Yeah. And it like in the story that happens, but I feel like. I need to add a sentence or something that explains... um, Since
0: that is such a a visceral moment of the story, there needs to be a clear Because otherwise it just seems
1: like I'm missing the resolution. I need to acknowledge that we never got it in that moment, and that's why you're not getting it as a reader or listener.
0: Mm -hmm. Because I did get nervous in that moment. of like I was like, oh, they're going to start questioning us and be like, what are you guys doing? It's 1 o'clock in the morning, and... Yeah, and it, it that didn't all happen, and then we we're like, "All right, see you later." Like, right. Let's get out of here. And that's what's so like
1: painful about mm. like this realization that if we were black, like yeah, the that scenario could have been completely we probably would have been arrested or whatever. And yeah. it's like, I'm thankful that that didn't happen, but also like the fact that that privilege exists mm-hmm. is like hard to reconcile
0: yeah because like we didn't talk about it more than that really until until you wrote this story oh yeah um which is which is interesting you know uh i think you do a really great job of even though it's this nonsensical kind of conversation about me trying to decide whether i'm going to baptize my son it's it's a really great kind of like framework like us discussing this thing Mm -hmm. um What made you use the word partaking there at the end? That uh, feels like uh,
1: very formal. Mm. And so I wanted to use that to kind of bring in, to be reminiscent of partaking of communion. Okay, yeah. Because, So so what I like about this story is that I think it's so interesting how we're talking about um, the three main sacra- sacraments of the church make an appearance in mm. this story. Communion, baptism, and marriage. All three of those sacraments make an appearance, but they're all being, like, questioned, or they're, like, they're the validity of them, of those sacraments in practice is being questioned in these particular instances. Mm. So, like, is infant baptism the same as baptism? Mm-hmm. And is it okay for not pastor or not judge to officiate a wedding mm. and can you have communion if it's not being like consecrated and if it's not wine and it's not bread and you're just like with friends and it's like and that's, kind of, is like, a that's kind, kind, kind of like kind of like
0: the unspoken question i like how right. all three of those are within there we discuss the baptism we discuss yeah. the marriage and there's this unspoken thing of like, oh, like this communion of these four friends together. Right, it's
1: like we're communing together. Yeah. I think that if I were to take the like social aspect of the story that is present in like the cop interaction, mm. what I think is, as I've tried to reason through that um, like experience, is what's hard is that uh, there's not communion between us and the people who are wrongly questioned by the police because like as the body of Christ we are to be equal in our like pursuit of justice and Mm. the fact that we were treated with such privilege I think is not like a good reflection of that kind of holy communion that we are to have with the body of Christ as a full it's like it's it's ironic
0: because people from every tribe tongue and nation yeah and it's it's ironic that we were treated the way That someone ought to be treated, right? And yet, and yet the way that you ought to be treated, yeah. yeah. Like, and yet the way we were treated was privilege. Like the way the baseline because of the way that like American social interaction between cops and which is which is truly interesting because that's mm -hmm. like that's whatever anyone really wants is the basic common courtesy of humanity, and and I think like as uh, like. Like, Americans should expect to be treated that way. Yeah.
1: But unfortunately, like, only white people are able to (laughs) expect to be treated that way. Yeah, and... Like, and you even say it, like, I'm so glad we're white. It's like, you understand that, like, uniformly, Mm -hmm. the color of our skin, like,
0: determines how the police treat us. Mm. Yeah. And it's... Yeah. And that's, like, that's the powerful thing in the story. The story has... You know, only that brief paragraph where you discuss that, but everything in this, like, mm-hmm. ties into that. And I think that's what makes for a great story, is this, this underlying point that isn't necessarily directly stated at every moment, mm-hmm. but you can pick it up when you look at the thing in totality. Right. You know, when you start it, okay, it's like group people at Donut Check. That's just, that's mm-hmm. the beginning of it. You have this climactic moment And then you realize that it all we like you said with communion, right? um, And either the abundance or lack thereof of it. I think that's why communion. This is like, I have a hard time naming
1: things, like naming my stories or like films that I make or whatever. Like I have a hard time giving a a name to a thing. Mm. And this was the easiest thing I had ever named because the the name seemed to really fit on so many levels and work in so many ways. And it's also so simple. It's hard to distill what the argument of what you're writing or what you're creating into one thing that makes sense but also, like, is interesting. Yeah. And there's a story I wrote once um, and I, like, had no idea what to title it and I was, like, on a deadline. And so I went back into the story and I, like, added a sentence that I could then, like, pull part of that sentence to be the title. And mm-hmm. it, like, made sense and, like, I was happy that I did it because I ended up thinking the sentence was, like,
0: really important. But before i had that sentence i was like what in the world do i call but even even thinking through that and saying what i'm going to title this and then adding that statement into your story felt like it made your story more complete yeah and then out of that and that makes us think through as storytellers as writers what what am i writing Mm. about because the most frustrating thing that can happen when reading a story uh or reading anything is like what what is this person saying yeah and if you can't figure that out, a lot of times that's what makes you put something. It's helpful when the title can act as a guide or yes. like a,
1: like a landmark or a like a lighthouse, pointing out where the, the story
0: is going or where it's coming from. It's, it's interesting, how a lot of times because with our rough drafts, we've come in, and we haven't given them a title. <laughs> yeah, and you know we've uh, we've come to the end. And we say to each other, "Well, what, you, what do you want to title this? Yeah. What is the name of this?" Or sometimes the other person yeah. will say, "I'm going to title it this." You're like I know you've said to me before, you yeah. said, "I'm titling your story this," and a lot of times I've been like, "That sounds great." Yeah. Uh, and that's why I've, you know, really enjoyed this process and sharing stories with each other. It really allows you to bounce those ideas, and people can come in and give insight. Uh, or even a title that you never would have thought of that is the perfect fit yeah. for that story. Collaboration is key. Collaboration is key. Thanks for sharing your story today, Mike. Welcome. Thank you for listening today to our podcast. We have uh,
1: one more episode left in this season, and then we'll have another special episode uh, featuring my friend, comedian Grant Stiles. I like it. And then season two begins. That's and right. we're hoping to have some guests on season two, so if you still haven't reached out to us and you'd like to be a guest on our show, you can do that uh, on our website. There's a, a right. form to contact us. Check We'd out love to hear from you. Roughdraftpodcast.com where you can find that form, and the final draft versions of our stories, and a link to the theme music we use, which is the song Little League by the band Sleepover.
0: Keep on telling stories, keep on writing stories, each of you has a story to tell, real or fictional. Write 500 words a day, even if it sucks, you'll get better.